Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. Joining us as always, the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com, Andrew Malcolm, at A.H. Malcolm on Twitter. We never call it X. Twitter, I say. And of course, redstate.com. Um, Andrew, welcome yes. back. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here and uh, see you again. You know, we've been doing this for, uh, what, 15 years. We have. And, and and even before that started, you've been doing it. And if I remember correctly, you're coming up on an anniversary of some kind. I am. I Today, as this is being aired, um, uh, today is my 20th anniversary of blogging. I started it oh, 20 man. years ago today uh, by quoting an epigram by Jonathan Swift and uh, promising to keep an open mind and to and to uh, go after the truth, wherever the truth may be, and to have a lot of fun along the way. And uh, I mean, you can people can judge how well I've done some of the other things, but I can tell you, I've had an awful lot of fun along the way. And I hope a lot of people who came <laughs> with me on that journey have also had fun along the way. I mean, that was also part of the point. When um, so you started, it was Captain's Quarters, right? Right, Captain's Quarters. Yep. And, yeah, and then and then when did it become hot air? Well, okay, so I was, you know, I was independent. I was um, blogging for four and a half years. I mean, two th October two thousand three to well, a little a little over four years. I'll say a little over four years. Uh, October two thousand three till April two thousand seven, when I got hired by Blog Talk Radio, and they wanted me to continue blogging at Captain's Quarters, which I wanted to do, while they were paying me to do, you know, to build up their conservative channel over at Blog Talk Radio. I don't know how many people remember that. I think they're still around too. Um, so I did that for several months and it wasn't really a good fit. As it turned out, I wanted to do more writing <laughs> and they wanted me to do more like customer service work. And they were very nice about it. They were trying to find ways to make it work and it just wasn't really working for either one of us. And Michelle Malkin offered to hire me at Hot Air. And this is when Hot Air was still its own independent site. And, uh, you know, she's actually what she, what she did was she called me uh, got me on the phone and said, do you know anybody who, you know, would work? We have an opening. Somebody had left. Me, me. <laughs> and she said, I'd ask you, but I know that you're already at Blog Talk Radio and you're happy over there. I said, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, as it turns out, and she says, are you kidding me? I'd love to have you. You should do it. You should do it. So, you know, over a couple of days, I talked it over with my wife. I talked it over with Michelle. Uh, she hired me on and it was just all abundant in me at the time. And uh, we had a great time, you know, once we sort of figured out how we we're going to fit in together and then we picked up people along the way uh, that only um, that was only independent for a couple of years. I mean, I came in in March of March 1st, 2008. And by February of 2010, um, uh, Salem had bought it up through town hall media and it, that's what it's been ever since and it's been great i i love working for salem and i had been working with salem in um the minneapolis st paul local market i was on their uh i was on a saturday afternoon radio show for several years at that point in time um so i you know i was familiar with them they were familiar with me it was a pretty easy transition to make so and that's the history that's the history i mean that's that's how i got to be on on hot air, but you knew me, you know, in the captain's quarters days, that's when we started working together. On yeah. These yeah. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Uh, uh, 
Oh, zero to 60 was at least 60 years. But 60 to 80 is like, okay. Yeah, That's I mean, you were early in the blogging community too. I mean. 2007. I, I, yeah, 2007. So I, one of the things I mentioned in the post today, which probably will be right above what, <laughs> the, the embed for this podcast, if you just... If you do this with your eyes, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, is I talk about how, you know, the, the blogosphere got professionalized not too long after I, I started blogging because newspapers started creating their their own blogs. They started hiring people out of the blogosphere. Uh, more on the left than on the right, but some on the right. And the Los Angeles Times um, had already had you in-house at the time yeah. and, and had you start doing that. And it turned out to be a great blog. Top of the ticket was a great blog. I used to love it. It was fun. Doug Franz, who uh, was the system managing editor, he called me in one day in 2007, and he said, um, why didn't I know about your political experience? And, of course, I had worked for a Republican governor for eight years, and then I was on the first Bush campaign for two years. And I said, well... Uh, how how often would you talk about your conservative political background on the LA Times? <laughs> and, and he said, he said, okay, touche. Um, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to, this was when all that blogging thing was brand new. He said, I'd like you to um, study blogs and see um, what we might do here for them. At the time, they had a couple of blogs. There was a, a blog for the uh, Lakers uh, that really only did business during the playoffs. And uh, they uh, sort of thought of it as, as or the professionals on the LA Times, the print guys, they thought of it as kind of a waste of time slideshow. So I, I went and I read and I I came back with the, the impression that there was a lot of crap out there. And I said, you know, we could do, we could do a really professional blog. You get a couple of guys here, and it would have to have an attitude, which I figured that would kill it right there. I said, would have to have a political attitude one way or the other. And um, so I gave them a two-page memo, and uh, they called a meeting of all the senior editors. And I thought, well, here's where this comes to an end. Uh, and they loved the idea. And I thought they'd die over the attitude part, uh, but they didn't. And then they spent most, it was like a 45 minute meeting, and they spent most of the time talking about what the name of it should be. Which, you know, I mean, I, who cares what the name is? Yeah, at top of the ticket. That's a pretty good one. I, I like that. It was and, a good name. Um, yeah. And so they got Don Fredericks from the Washington Bureau, and he and I did it. And then we slowly dragged in. Uh, reporters who were eager to get more spontaneous uh, play, and uh, you know we would use their 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 items or we would quote them, and it was great. It was a lot of fun. I remember the John Edwards campaign bus broke down, and one of the L.A. Times reporters, I swore not to say, but there was an L.A. Times reporter there, and. Uh, tweeted or, or sent sent me an item and we put it up right away and the, within minutes the Edwards um, spokesman came back and was 
was hawking on this uh, on this report. I go, how did they find out that the bus broke down? Because we're using that as a metaphor for the <laughs> for the campaign. Uh, and you know, oh gee, I, you got me. Um, so anyway, it was a lot of fun, and the most traffic that the LA Times had ever had on a blog was the Lakers during the playoffs, which was 400,000 page views. In our first month, we did a million five, and uh, we were off to the races, and, and uh, there was a lot of, it was a considerable amount of backbiting by the print guys, but they got overwhelmed um, by the success, and the rest is history. First is history, you know, and you know I, the professionalism phase of the blog yeah. is, I think, was 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 overall good, right? Yeah, and, yeah. We know, met yeah, at some of those conventions. Right, right, exactly. I mean, we were able to get more resources into it that way, and people, you know, it really did allow people who were, you know, succeeding in this to have to have a career path. I mean, me being one of them. I I was a I was a call center manager until I went to work for blog talk radio. Um, I haven't been, I haven't been in a regular job since I, you know, this is my regular, but uh, Ed, uh, could you, Ed, could you hang on for a minute? I need to check with my supervisor. It, you know, that all, you know, that all calls are recorded here for, for training. <laughs> so you, you realize it, right? Quality control. Yes. For quality control. All, all, all my podcasts <laughs> are recorded for quality control. Um, so this this was one of those uh, sex call uh, sites that you were oh, running yeah, across. Yeah. That's, that's 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 exactly what people want from a sex call site is some balding middle aged guy. And, <laughs> no, no, no. Bergfire <laughs> alarm industry, which plays into a, a topic we're going to talk about in a minute, which is Jamal Bowman's idea of obstruct obstruction of Congress. But before we get to that. You know, a lot of people say, well, when it, when it got professionalized, it lost some of its flavor. I don't think that that's true at all. What happened was when people latched onto Facebook as their publishing platform, and then Facebook kept changing the rules out from underneath them, it drove a lot of people who had been independent voices out of the market. And at the time, I was, you know, telling people I would not put my eggs in that basket because I kind of, I, I kind of figured that this was you know, a yeah. dangerous thing to do. And it's not the professionalism that has been the threat here. It's the reliance on big tech. And it's not just Facebook either. It's Google, it's YouTube. I mean, some of these things you kind of have to play with at least, or you have to be in the ballpark with just to be able to get by. I'm fortunate enough to work for a company that can publish its own stuff. We don't rely on anybody else's servers. We don't rely on anybody else's email systems or, or anything else like that. Um, we have our own platform. Um, and, you know, I had my own platform at Captain's Quarters too. I had my own domain. I had my own platform. I could do whatever I wanted to do with it. I even had advertisers. In fact, I was making some pretty decent cash the last couple of years before I went to work for Blog Talk Radio um, on the basis of the blog. Um, you, should, you should write a post about all this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's coming. But the... <laughs> Or we'll already have been there. We'll just look upward. Oh yeah, there it is. Um, but to me, the biggest issue now um, is that the the so-called so misinformation, disinformation, policing by big tech, and as we have seen, government agencies really threatens to shut the whole thing down. It, I mean, it is a far far less 
um, hospitable environment now online than even when I first signed up for this, right? Um, and the reason why is because bloggers became a bigger threat to the power. Mm -hmm. And and I think the lesson I've learned is that you know, the powerful are not going to sit around forever, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why you need a robust First Amendment. You need a government that stays the hell out of um, free speech, debate, and dissent. And uh, we haven't had that the last few years, and we are just discovering the impacts of that now. And I'm more pessimistic about independent voices being able to get their, uh, to be able to enter the debate and have debate and dissent than I probably have been over the last 20 years. It is a scary, scary environment. Yeah. Well, there's one way that people can support the blogosphere uh, and our views, of course, is the VIP and the gold VIP subscriptions, which, um, you know, works out to, with the discounts and everything, works out to like half a cup of Starbucks a month. So I think people can do that to help support the, uh, they pay for cable. They just don't see it uh, so often. So anyway, uh, you well, know, that's it, good. That's good. I'm making that argument as you know explicitly today. Is that this really does help, and it allows us to be independent of a lot of advertiser streams. I, I don't want to demonize the advertisers, though. I understand why they're reluctant to spend ad money, not just with us. And we're actually in a much better position than some of the other platforms because we have a robust sales team. We're part of a radio network. Uh, you know, so it's an integrated advertising platform and that does help us somewhat, but a lot of advertisers don't want to be in any of those forums. And it's not because they don't like free speech. It's because activists go after them and attack them and boycott them over their sponsorship of free speech. And they just, at a certain point, they just decide, look, I don't, we don't even need to be involved in that. Let's pull our, let's pull our money out of that. And, you know, we get our, we get posts that are demonetized because of the way ad networks work we we get a we get a list of posts that are demonetized by ad networks um what uh, does that mean ed what does that, that mean means that the ads can't run on those posts we have to remove the ads from those posts and we're not making any money on the page views for those posts and usually those are the those are on the issues that are contentious right the, the vaccines, the COVID vaccines, for instance, COVID, you know, responses, but also, you know, the, you know, the, the, the fact that the Russia collusion thing was a hoax, um, you know, the, the various different, um, yeah, calling them out, yeah, calling, calling people out. Right. And so we've got all sorts of different, um, uh, entities out there that are trying to make this toxic and trying to kill off the uh, market for free speech by simply starving it to death. And that's what I mean by, by being more pessimistic now, 20 years in, than maybe I have been at any time during those 20 years. And even when I was struggling to make, <laughs> to make my blog work, I mean, it wasn't as though I was being you know, oppressed or anything else like that. It's just, it was a very competitive market. There were, only, there were only so many eyeballs to go around. And so you had to work very hard to um, to get your stuff seen. Was that so, part-time? Was that part-time? Yeah, you know, I really turned into two full-time jobs. I had my full-time job at that, yeah. and I had my full-time job doing this. And my wife, God bless her, was very supportive of, of it and was hoping that I could turn it into a career because she knew how much I enjoyed it. Um, 
And I did. And it, I mean, I, I succeeded at that. But I worry about the people who are trying to enter into this market now. And there are platforms to do that with Substack. Substack is a great development. As long as Substack doesn't go the way that Facebook and Google and um, uh, YouTube have gone in terms of trying to, you know, squeeze out dissenting voices, Substack's great. Well, we now return to our normal programming. Well, yeah. I, at any rate, <laughs> I've been wanting to write about this in the 20th anniversary. I don't usually mark these, these you know, milestone things because. Well, you don't even, you don't look over 20. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're such a gentleman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're such a gentleman. All right. Well, let's oh, talk well. a little bit about what's going on in the world. Um you have a post up, one of your VIP columns, so your latest one is about how we're all a little dumber after last week's debate. I think Fox <laughs> Business Channel is the dumbest of the dumb, though. I mean, that was a terrible debate. It was terrible. It, it was run terribly. And, um, and and you have to wonder what the RNC is thinking and having their candidates stand up there in a turkey shoot like that. They, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't think they're thinking. Um, I think that this has become the norm. You have debates. You get on a TV channel, which they think is the be-all and the end-all, uh, and you go with it. But it becomes, over time, the same way that sports became um, an element of television. Uh, television controls sports now. I mean, those timeouts are called. The, the ref gets a signal, and he calls a timeout. It's signal from the TV network. They have to get some ads in before the end of the half. And uh, it's uh, TV has has taken over. So the 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 athlete, the athlete, the athletic conferences and so on, they don't decide the, when the games are. Uh, they decide uh, what teams, and then TV tells them, "Well, we want Notre Dame, Ohio State at prime time, so they'll play at six Central," and that's the way it is. And the same thing happened with debates. You know, they have to have commercials. Okay, I get that. Uh, but they are playing gotcha all the time. And it's how do things look, which is what television is about. How do things look? And it's not really about substance. So I, I had a different format, which I suggested in the column, and I won't go into the details, but... Uh, it involves a three on one, three moderators and one candidate, and you go through them. Uh, I, I actually think three is too too many, but I mean it's it's a it it would be better to do it one at a time. I agree with you. I think three moderators is too many. Maybe two yeah. at most. Yeah, uh, two moder two moderators and a candidate, and you get to pump them for twenty minutes, and they don't get to dodge. They don't get to. Uh, uh, slip into their talking points. You say, no, no, wait a minute. We asked you about immigration. And uh, you can do that. You can't do that when six other ones are going, well, I have a view on that. And uh, and then arguing with each other. It's That's television, okay? And that's that's Jeopardy. And and the price is right. And come on down. It's 21. Remember 21? You know, that was the, um, that oh, was yeah. the TV show that was at the heart of the uh, game show. Uh, the quiz show scandals back in the 1950s. Now I wasn't. Well, I, I remember. I remember the first one, which was a sixty-four thousand dollar question, and that became oh, yeah. a, that became an idiom. And Charles 
Charles something, who I think was a professor at Columbia. And Charles, was, uh, Charles Van Doren was on. He Van was Doren. On, he was on 21. Was Charles 21? Well, there was, was there, there was one on 64,000 when they, they put him in a booth where he couldn't hear us. Well, but he didn't need to hear you because they gave him the answers beforehand. And that's what reality TV is, you know, and the 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 debates, to my eyes, were like reality TV, except they didn't have bikinis and campfires. I wouldn't mind adding in the bikinis and campfires. <laughs> Sweaty bodies after a it, day in the sun. It would talking it about. It would be it'd be an improvement over what I saw last Wednesday. Yeah, as long yeah. as no, it's just disappointing. But <laughs> the point is, it becomes a TV show and yeah. serves TV's end, which is to gather a crowd. That's what television is about: gather a crowd and then sell access to the crowd to advertisers. That's all television is, and they turn the debate into the same thing. When it should be a lesson in democracy, access one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one -on -one to candidates to plumb what their minds and thoughts are and how they think. And we didn't get any of that. It's it. Yeah, that they, they rehearse, they go into their, their um, stump speech. They, they have a, a rehearsed quip or two. It's, um, it's, it's useless. And that's, I think why people were disappointed, but that, I didn't see anybody calling for a change in the format. And I think that's what's needed. Well, I, I will say this. You can you can have that format and still make it useful, right? Mm. You can ask useful questions. That wasn't what was going on in that debate. I don't want to get too much into this. We've, you know, we hashed this all out last week, but they were asking questions that were deliberately provocative between the candidates in order to start food fights on stage rather than just ask people about the issues and let them respond. Now, there was some of that as well, but the issues that they were citing that first half hour were all, could have been taken straight out of an MSNBC primetime show, right? It was a, it were the, it was a miller Lite commercial from the 70s. It tastes great, less filling. No, it tastes good. Remember the Conrad Dobler sitting in the stands and he said, yeah. you know, I, he says that miller Lite tastes great. Said, no, it doesn't. It's less filling. And then Conrad Dover leans back and the two of them argue yeah. about how great Miller Lite is. That's what the debate was. And uh, you, you've you said that uh, uh, that immigration is the worst threat. What about X and Y? It's just, yeah, you're right. It was, it was disappointing if the goal was not to watch uh, you're off the island, if the goal, which actually was a question, if the goal is to find out how these people think and what are their plans. Yeah, no, I, I, I right. I mean, it, it was completely useless for that, especially for Republican voters, because they were talking about issues that don't matter a hell of a lot to Republican primary voters, um, yeah. especially in the first half hour, the first hour, they weren't really getting into that. Um, at any rate, um, so re go read Andrew's column on that, because it's a really good column. I, I want to talk a little bit about what happened this weekend. <laughs> Um, first off, I mean, talk wait, about, wait a minute, wait, I think I hear a fire alarm. <laughs> evacuate, evacuate, evacuate. <laughs> um, takes me back to my previous career. Uh, when you yank on a fire alarm, <laughs> it does not open a door. In fact, actually it closes all the doors because once you have a fire alarm go off, all the fire doors close in order to compartmentalize whatever fire happens to be, you know, 
taking place. Anyway, that was Jamal Bowman's incredibly stupid explanation as to why he pulled a handle that says fire <laughs> on it. Says, oh, well, I, I was trying to get out of the building. Uh, no, he wasn't. He was trying to delay consideration of a motion on the floor of, the, of Congress. He was obstructing Congress. He committed a, now, I, initially it was reported that this was a felony under federal law. It's not, it's a, it's a misdemeanor. You can still do a few months in prison for deliberately setting off a false fire alarm. This is almost literally yelling fire falsely in a crowded theater, right? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And, and uh, some, somebody went and looked up, he was, he used to be a principal at a New York school and he went and looked up the, yeah. the, fi the fire alarm policy there and it was suspension. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it, we're prosecuting people for obstructing Congress, right? And I mean, there are people who are being sentenced to several years in prison because they went, you know, supposedly they were conspiring to, you know, for other things. But a lot of the lower level people there ended up being convicted of a of a charge of obstruction of an official proceeding and were sentenced to do some jail time over it. And it will have this on their record for the rest of their lives. Um, that is exactly what Jamal Bowman did. Democrats in Congress were insisting that all these people, all these MAGA extremists get yeah. uh, prosecuted for this. Jamal then Bowman, they, then, then they do it. Congress. Yeah. I mean, if if we're talking about equal justice under the law, Bowman no needs one. to be in jail for a few months and he should get his ass kicked out of out of Congress. Not uh, with this administration that we're not talking about. Well, I mean, it has justice. nothing to do with the administration. It has to do with House. But equal justice in the Justice Department. All of that, yeah. No, you're right about that. Um, but it takes two thirds a two thirds vote to expel a member of the House. Um, I'm confident in predicting that even if there is an expulsion motion brought to the floor, that Jamal Bowman's seat will be safe because Democrats are not going to kick him out. He's out there today, yesterday, and today, which would be Sunday and Monday because we're recording this on Monday, saying that. Republicans who don't believe he did it accidentally are Nazis. And I'm not joking around about that. That's how he's framing this, that Nazi Republicans are the ones that are, are, are saying he did it on purpose. I mean, that's something else. This guy is a, is a nutcase. And there's, a, there's, a, there's several of them. There's several of them in that caucus. Yeah, it might be doing themselves, you know, subtract. It might be addition by subtraction if they allow him to get kicked out, but they won't. Um, he'll probably get censured. That'll probably be the, that'll probably be the, the compromise position is that they'll allow him to be censured, which means he has to stand on the well of the, uh, of the chamber and be lectured. Uh, but he really should be prosecuted for that. I, I mean, look, I mean, this was my, <laughs> you missed that. Andrew, Andrew was doing this, you know, big whoop, uh, which is true. It really, it's meaningless. Charlie Rangel got one of those too. Once I remember that it's like, Okay. <laughs> Well, that's done. Yeah. What a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's sad, and and I don't think I I think they think they're getting away with it, but I suspect Americans aren't dumb. They don't always pay attention, but they're not dumb. And when something comes to their attention, they can make a pretty fair judgment much of the time. Yeah. What about the judgment on what happened with the funding bill? You know, in the end, they just, they, they, 
I, I think that this they is they do this all they do this all the time, right? right? I mean they do this with the uh the debt limit. Come on. Yeah. You guys know you're gonna do it at the last minute. But Nothing it's it's, it's fodder. It's the way they can get some fame. I mean he said this. Matt Gates said this. Oh, please. Just yeah, now do, Matt what you, do what you're elected to do. Yeah, Matt Gates wants to now Put a motion to vacate the speaker this you know the speaker on the floor of of the house and it's like are you guys still that butthurt over losing the speaker vote nine months ago because honestly we got better things to do <laughs> another year and a quarter with this particular session of congress and it'd be might might be nice if you guys could at least cooperate a little bit they had and this was what was so amusing they had on the floor a bill that would have cut discretionary spending by 8%, which is a pretty significant cut, right? Mm -hmm. Which never would have passed the Senate, but it, but it would have forced the Senate into some sort of negotiation over spending cuts. Um, and the House Freedom Caucus voted it down because they don't like McCarthy, because they thought, oh, no, McCarthy's this, McCarthy's that. So the yeah. only thing they can do is, they, is, is then he just said, okay, We'll do a CR at current levels then, and Democrats will sign on to it. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> it passed yeah. by overwhelming margin, went to, the, went to the Senate, that passed, got to Biden's desk that night, and he signed it with no spending cuts whatsoever. Yeah. So, you, you know, know. This, is what that, this is what that crowd did uh, when uh, Trump wanted uh, income tax cuts. You know, they get in the way of... Um, it's like blazing saddles, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? One false move, and this guy gets it. Ooh. <laughs> He's just crazy <laughs> enough to do it. <laughs> Hush, Harry, that's a sure are, way to get killed. <laughs> these people are really dumb. <laughs> Yeah, it's this whole thing now they're going to have this stupid motion to vacate fight um which is just making themselves look even sillier i, I mean yeah yeah this is and they don't have they don't have that big of a margin i mean if they're uh it's very short-sighted they're uh, going to put democrats in charge is what if they succeed at it which they're not going to the only thing they're going to succeed is making is putting Democrats in charge. Yeah, yeah, crazy. It's crazy. All right. Well, I think that's about what we've got time for today. Except no, no, no. Let's talk about the Steelers. How they do it? <laughs> <laughs> they did. How'd they do against they the Browns. <laughs> yeah, the Steelers did as well yesterday as the Browns did. Oh, please. Yeah. The Browns have more upside this year. You know, we, we were joking with each other on email prior to this. That's the reason why Andrew's digging at me right now. But I got to admit that the Browns have more upside this season than the Steelers do. I, I didn't watch the game yesterday. I did watch the Browns. What? Game. Really? It wasn't on in my area. No, it wasn't on in my area. And besides which, you know, I was listening to it in the car for a while. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is, this is not going well. There was a stat <laughs> that Kenny Pickett had thrown 64% of his passes behind the line of scrimmage. So, you know, trying to screen, throwing screens, right? Yeah. And uh, 
It's like, well, you know, if you can't stretch the ball down the field, you're never going to get anywhere with your passing game. And um, I, I think that the average passing game was a half a yard or something like that. I forget what the stat was, but it was. No, it was, it was pretty sad. Uh, yeah. Of course, he's, he's not calling his own plays, but. Uh, well, he's not calling his own plays and he's a second year guy, you know, so there's still development that needs to happen. And I think he's got talent. I, I got to tell you, though, I, I don't know that Mike Tomlin's the guy to do it anymore. I mean, yeah. Tomlin won a couple of Super Bowls early on with Roethlisberger. And he hasn't done a hell of a lot since, you know, it's this, um, you know, they have they have delusions of adequacy. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> you know, so I watched the one game against the Browns when they beat the Browns. And I'm going to keep reminding you of that. But, you know, I, at my age, it, I tend to forget things. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't for, I don't forget that this owner who's from Tennessee spent uh, nearly a quarter of a billion dollars on a quarterback who has yet to deliver. So Deshaun, Deshaun Watson? Yes. Yeah. You know, it wasn't I don't know what they did yesterday. I didn't watch yesterday's game. That Oh, they got killed because they put in the the rookie who never started an NFL game. And poor guy, they, they threw him into the pits with the Lions. It wasn't the Lions, it was the Ravens. But it it's, yeah, it was oh, sad. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I think it was 27 or 28 to 3. Yeah, I saw the game before, and it looked like Deshaun Watson had sort of. Yeah, that was pretty good. But then, you know, for $240 million or whatever it is, I, I got a sore shoulder. Oh yeah. Well, they didn't. They didn't give Baker Mayfield any any room because he had a torn what was it labrum. They yeah. made him play. So, you know, it's it's anyway. It's people didn't like tune in to hear that. Baker Mayfield. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 He's good for him. I like him. I like I like, I like guys. I like guys that are spunky. If Johnny Manziel hadn't killed himself, I would have. Oh, destroyed, destroyed his own career. There is a very good documentary. I think it's on Netflix. It might be Prime, but I think it's on Netflix about Johnny Manziel. You should watch it. It's oh, really yeah? interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that I feel much sympathy for the guy. No, uh, I no, he's screwed up like a lot of them do. In fact, I got a joke about the NFL in here somewhere. Today. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we're getting to the jokes of the day then. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's not the Steelers. Yeah. It's not the Browns no, either. It's, no, it's not. It's not. These are old ones. This is Conan. He says the NFL announces the possible sites for the next draft are down to two. It's either Rikers Island or San Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I vote and, for Folsom because, you know, we got a good Johnny Cash song that goes with Folsom. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that. Um uh, let's see. Well, I got another one. I'm calling it again. He says, a Japanese zoo was unable to breed two spotted hyenas. Then they discovered both were male. The two male, hy the two male hyenas are no longer being forced to mate, but they can go antiquing together. <laughs> I like oh, that. Well 
that one's pretty good. Here, I got one for you. It's, it's oh, okay. A, an artist asked the gallery owner if there'd been any interest in her paintings that were on display, right? And, she, and he says, well, I've got good news and I got bad news. He says, the good news is that a gentleman noticed your work wondered if it would appreciate in value after your death. I told him it would, and he bought all 10 of your paintings. She goes, well, that's great. What's the bad news? Uh, it was your doctor. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought it was going to be something like he asked for your address, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. That's uh, like Hunter Biden's, right? You know, it'll increase in value. Right. All right. I got one more for you. Okay. This one's this one's a little bit PG 13 ish. Oh, here we go. It's not too bad. Well, this maybe is, oh, that one's that one's more R. I better I better I better stay away from it. I took I took another close look at it and decided no, that one might be like <laughs> R rated. You know. Well, I have one. I have I have one more to wrap up, and it's Fallon, Jimmy Fallon. He says a new survey finds over thirty five percent of Americans plan on voting before election day, not for president, just Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got one more quick one for you here. Okay, that was supposed to be the end, but all right. Well, you know, I got one more. I got to I gotta throw in here. A man sat with his wife while she sipped on her glass of wine, and she said, I love you so much. You you know, I don't know how I could ever live without you. And the husband says, is that you talking or the wine talking? And the wife says, it's me talking to the wine. <laughs> oh, oh, that hurts. That's terrible. That, hurts. And that one's, ooh, ooh. Oh, that one hurts. There was one about the. Uh, well, I'll save that for another day. Um, okay. Well, and it's been great, and no debate this week. But nope, no debate. But uh, but just a whole lot of fun memories from the last twenty years, oh. Andrew. And you've been such a huge part of that. Um, it's, well, uh, it's just, this is this is the way that I need to celebrate is with you. Ah, thank you. That this this means a lot. We've been together weekly. I mean, uh, my wife is beginning to ask questions. So, <laughs> so is my wife. So there yeah. you go. We should get the there two of them. Yeah, right. So one one time, um, I used to travel a lot on, on the New York Times with the same photographer, and uh, one one day up it was like thirty below up in northern Minnesota. And we were writing about the snow, crazy snowmobile people who had picnics when it was 30 below outside. And, um, you know, they put the hot dog and the stick in the fire. And one side of the hot dog was cooking and the other side was freezing solid. But uh, anyway, we neglected to get a motel room. And there was only one, one left, one hotel room. So we agreed to share it. And uh, we, we got in the room and uh, my partner said... Uh, well, well, wait a minute. The photographer said, <laughs> "Yeah." The photographer said, "So, which side of the bed do you normally sleep on?" And, and fortunately, it they matched. <laughs> Did you go antiquing later? I just, you know, yeah, yeah, wearing yeah, mine's right, right. That's not a pillow. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly, that's a great reference to planes, trains, and automobiles. So we'll leave it at that. Andrew okay. Wilco, the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com, planes, trains, and automobiles expert as well. We'll talk <laughs> next week, sir. All right. We'll see you. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>